Hola, Gavin. Hola, Louis. You're fresh from España. I am. I guess. I guess in that case, I should actually call you Luis. Yes, you're. You're, you're looking can, like a full I... cheetah girl right now, honey. <laughs> you texted me that. I was like, I'm too old for that reference. You well, I only saw. I think perhaps two cheetah girl movies. I know that there are more. Um, are there more? I, I mean, think there, I, there might be one more where Raven doesn't come into the picture. She might have been over it. Or perhaps the, the negotiations broke down. She said, I am not a cheetah girl. Did she anymore. see a vision of the future? And she was like, this is a yeah. bad moneymaker. Yeah, she saw a vision and then she said, I'm not going to be the fucking group anymore. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> That's the future I can see. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we take two weeks. We watch as much as we can, and we give you a full history, and then we tell you what we like and what we don't like. And it's been a little bit. We've been busy, busy, busy we have. Uh, this past month, so it was a little bit more than two weeks, uh, but Gavin was on vacation. I'm in the middle of moving a lot of life is happening. Um, we also have a little announcement that's like gonna tell you guys also what why we're also very busy. I, we can see that for later, right? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Well, okay. We'll, 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 just we'll table it. Yeah, we're, we're gonna put a pin in that. We're gonna return to it. Um, but yes, thank you so much. Uh, we do have some old business to take care of we before do. we get to this episode. Um, I'm gonna like rip the bandaid off we didn't do a poll this, this for this episode because um as i previously said we have been very busy that's a my bad it's my responsibility gavin was out gallivanting with his cheetah girls and bless um exactly. you, you you were eating um pineapple stuffed olives olives yeah i found a i found a plate i mean first of all spain olive oil olive oil country baby and uh yeah they, i, just, I I went to a store and I saw pineapple stuffed olives and I was like, you know what? These are for me. I just cannot believe the level of like how calm and collected as if that is so normal. I would have been like, (laughs) I was going to bring you back a jar, but that's like customs is like, no, don't do that. Thanks, 9-11. So there is no poll, but be um, just know that Frankenstein um there are so many good movies to watch um we hope you guys enjoyed your spooky season we hope you enjoyed our um shortened uh one episode of spooktacular uh, nonsense <laughs> i think i mean gavin has been like over the years just like <laughs> bringing me to the darkness <laughs> turning me from an honorary spooky bitch um into, into a full spooky bitch into you know? a full spooky bitch that's uh, miss spooky bitch if you're nasty yeah i'm spook versatile um <laughs> heard that about uh, you yeah that's what all the boys are saying um but yes yeah, so please go check out um or i hope you checked out a couple um frankenstein movies for your halloween season um now with that out of the way gavin we have as we mentioned in our previous episode we started a patreon and and while we probably won't talk about it at the beginning of every episode, uh, you are going to have to hear us talk about it sometimes. Sorry, but it's we're not been... sorry. Actually, you are so lucky to see us if you are on our Patreon. Absolutely, our beautiful face. This Hello. is me being beautiful. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So if you are 
watching this right now, you're most likely a Patreon subscriber. And if you're just listening to it, you can log in and and join our Patreon. And it's, you know, for $5 a month, you get to watch. And for $10 a month, you get updates. And there's plenty of other things that come along with that, uh, including in our $10 tier, the All-Stars tier, part of the reward is that you get a shout out on the show. And... I, I love this. We have a list of people who signed up already. So thank you so much. I want to give the most heartfelt shout out I can to Chelsea, to Gal. Alexia, uh, also known as Gimli Q on the interwebs. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Wheeler, Joel Arnold, who's been on the show before. Same as Chelsea. John Walbert and Roy Mao. Like, thank you all so much. It's... Yes. I was not expecting... Uh, <laughs> this kind of reception and so (laughs) you were very like no one's gonna be doing this yeah (laughs) i know i was literally like no one no one wants to to do this but but i we're glad you guys are with us thank you so much for all your support we've been having some um giggles and laughs over on the discord discord the discord not on the discourse uh, on the discord um so yeah join us over there all of the um money from this is basically to going to pay the bills. Um, you know, it costs money to host the show. Um, and anything that we have left over, we'll just buy merch and have giveaways. And so it's all kind of coming back to you guys. So this is all for the community. Um, so yes, and we thank you. And, um, if you want to join us on the Patreon, please do that. We have lots of fun. We're stealing your ducats. Wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I think that's all of our business. Oh, wait. So let's unpin that now, right? Pull that pin out. We got okay, an announcement. We have an announcement. Um, we are very, very excited to announce that um, the mixed reviews, Gavin and I, will be hosting, co-hosting the Bowery Film Festival. Uh, it is. Oh God, I should pull up the dates. It's in a couple weeks. Uh, it's in the November seventeenth, I believe. Through, I think it's the yeah seventeenth through the nineteenth, I believe. Yes. Um, and we'll post more updates on Twitter. We're meeting actually with the director tomorrow of the film festival to hammer out all the details. But we will be there to uh, introduce movies, do little Q&A sessions, um, meet some film fans, just have a great time. So if you're in the New York area or the tri-state area and you want to come down to the Bowery and um, watch some movies, please do join us. Um, yeah, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be a lot of new stuff, a lot of you know, types of films that you've probably never even seen before. It seems really cool, really cutting edge. And we're very excited. It's, I mean, Louie and I have never done anything like this before. No. Uh, so this double act is going, going live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I usually travel. I don't like to host, but um, for this, for this, I, I'm making an exception. And uh, I mean, I yeah, do we're... have a spare bedroom now. <laughs> um. So, yes, yeah, so we're going to put the information for buying tickets and parties and all those things um, on our Twitter, on our Instagram, and all those places. Um, please join us. We can't wait. See you guys. Absolutely. It's going to be so much fun. I'm more excited than I'm that I could possibly even say like I I'm yeah. but I'm also nervous by nature so I think that is the the that's, it's nervousness excitement it's it's nursitement that's the name of your band nervous by nature nervous by nature <laughs> don't uh, jump around yeah this, don't, this, the don't. floor has not been braced yeah I'm, I'm worried I'm worried about this guys the downstairs um, neighbors are complaining yeah <laughs> don't jump around um but okay hopefully we see you guys there now Finally, it's been way too long, Gavin. 
let's get into our new subject. Who are we talking about today? We're talking about the beautiful, the wonderful, the talented, the tall, and the mm-hmm. fucking badass. Yes. Sigourney Weaver. Miss Sigourney herself, honey. Oh, wow. I, uh, I, we've been talking about this on the Discord. Um, I keep saying it very fucking weird because I want to say Discord, but it's the Discord. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about Sigourney a little bit on the Discord. Um, Which what is, is another perk if you join yes. the Patreon. You yep. get early talk, and then sometimes we'll talk about our subjects before the episode goes up. Just saying. Yep. And that's only on the first on the on the lower tier of the of the Patreon. So five bucks, guys. Um, but yeah, we've been talking about like what a strange wackadoo career um, for someone who is, I would argue, like definitely like an A-list celebrity, you know, has been around since the 70s, has made a huge cultural impact um, just on the strength of Alien alone. Right. Like she has she's had a billion movies, like literally we did not get to all of them <laughs> lol but and between... she's classically trained it's not yeah. like it's yeah. not like she's you know like oh she was like a model and somebody came up to her and was like you should be a star like she did the hard yards of acting school right and she's got alien so she does genre she's in avatar which is like one of the top grossing movies whatever the fuck um yeah. And she, but she also has all these teeny tiny little baby movies that I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> um, I gotta say, the reviews are gonna be very mixed. I, you know, I'm, I think she just likes to work. I think that's one of the things, you know, I was reading, there's a great New York Times profile that just came out. I read it, and one of the things she mentions in it, like, you know, that she's a lifelong New Yorker because she moved to LA for a little bit and they were kind of unserious about acting. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't think it was a noble profession. And right. I was like, oh, okay. She's like into acting. Yeah. She's like, there are no serious actors in <laughs> Los Angeles. Um, I gotta say, she does have that voice. That's oh, so yeah. very like commanding and like, anytime she talks, I'm like, yeah, you could be president with that voice. Just like, yeah. t- tell me what, to, just very direct and commanding. Um, also, she is funny, like working girl, um, Galaxy Quest. There are uh, Ghostbusters. She, she yeah. hits she hits all the genres like easy. Yeah. It's funny. I think I would um piss or shit myself if she ever yelled at me. Oh I yeah. Think, I think that would be But I'd be like, oh she, no. But she also does, she it's because she plays mom so well also. Yes. You yeah. know, when when she does give that like comforting, like loving, um, and that's why she's so fucking scary when she's playing evil, because She's when she's bad, she's like she uses that like lullaby thing she has going on, but then she's like, ah, murder. Having you say that makes me think about the fact that she kind of played an ingenue for a little bit, but she never fully had an ingenue phase. And I think it's because she was so fully formed from right. the time that she started doing movies that right. she she just never I think I guess the weirdly enough, the closest we ever got to her doing ingenue type stuff is Ghostbusters, where she's just kind of like a love interest. Right. I mean, a little bit in Eyewitness, maybe. Like, yeah. Maybe. I, guess, I just watched that today. And that, yeah, I guess she doesn't have a ton of agency in right. that. I mean, what's funny is I, I think of her in the same lane as Jamie Lee Curtis, who we have talked about yes. before. And who's, Susan Sar- Who's like one of her best friends. Yeah, duh. And then also uh, Susan Sarandon. Um, yeah. 
I kept getting fucking mixed up between Susan Sarandon and uh, Sigourney Weaver. They just have like very, to me, similar like vibes and faces, I guess. Um, I, th- I think they're very different heights, though. <laughs> and that's where they get you. Exactly. Uh, but I think all three of them have very similar acting styles. They're all very regal women. They act very yes. regally. They regal. Use that. Regal is a great, that's a, yeah. try to describe her without using the word regal. Right. And they all have that same power of being regal women who are going to fucking kick your ass and yeah. kill you, but also are like motherly and warm. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the ingenue because I think Jamie Lee Curtis was definitely... Um, way more like doing sexy things and like so they are different of course yeah Uh, but to me this i get the same energy and same vibes um but okay let's stop teasing them gavin let's get into our rewind susan alexandra weaver was born in new york city on October 8th, 1949, which A means she just had a birthday, and B means that she is 73, and C means that Sigourney is not her real name. Yeah, fully not. Miss Alexandra. <laughs> um, her mother, Elizabeth Ingalls, was an English actress and a native of Colchester, England. And her father, Sylvester Pat Weaver, was an American television executive born in Los Angeles, and he was the president of NBC between 1953 and 55, and he created both NBC's Today Show and The Tonight Show. So, Casual. like, yeah. Never heard of it. Exactly. So she comes from, like, an entertainment lineage, which is funny because she kind of said that her parents didn't want this for her. I think that they were horrified that I was going to take this on. My father thought it was good to go to drama school. That would probably shake this goal right out of me, and it almost did. I was listening to her talk about, uh, th- there was a whole half an hour interview she did with like um, pioneers of television about her dad. She loves talking about her dad. And she was talking about how like he tried to start another uh television network he tried to start the fourth television network and nbc essentially wouldn't let him uh, and also because he was presiding over the, the the today show when it you know started that means he presided over when they when they had a chimpanzee as one of the like people on set that was like i, I think he was like a weatherman or something huh. and and she said yeah like obviously nowadays having done gorillas in the mist i realized you know we shouldn't <laughs> Shouldn't treat animals this way. I she's can't like, believe we're already talking about girls in the mist so early. She's like that. That chimp stole my hat. Yeah, it was yeah. a matching outfit hat. Oh, I was a little afraid of Jay Fred because he was well. He he was fast, and he was my size. And uh, you know, as I said, he got to do the fun thing, which was go in where all these people crack these wonderful jokes and you know be where all the action was. So. Um, yeah, he was he was sort of an important figure for me. At the age of 14, Weaver began using the name Sigourney. Uh, it's taken from a minor character in the book The Great Gatsby. I had great trouble saying at the height of six feet, my name is Sue, so small. And I just saw this name and I went, oh, I love that. It goes on. That's fantastic. I like the look of it. Three syllables. I thought I'm going to use that until I can figure out what name I'd really like, because I'm not going to use crazy name like Sigourney. It was absolutely a placeholder. I, I see that the family is very keen on nicknames. Yes. Um, like you mentioned, Pat. 
um, for Sylvester, and they have a brother, um, Winstead, who is known as Doodles. This sounds yes. like... I- I'm I'm so sorry. Like it just sounds like rich <laughs> white yes. people who are like oh, Winston, but like she's like okay, you're fucking cool now. We're calling you Doodles. Like can, what? Can you can you imagine having an uncle Doodles? Because that's her father's brother. So yeah, I I, I cannot, and um, I can't imagine um, a Winstead either. That's a fucking crazy <laughs> name. She started attending school in New York, but eventually ended up at the Ethel Walker School in Simsbury, Connecticut, and she developed you know aspirations of performance art there also this school kind of sounds a little bit like maybe she, a little, she. yeah she she maybe a little artsy fartsy you know one of the earliest roles was in a stage adaptation of the poem the highwayman um, she, she also played the rudolph valentino character in an adaptation of the silent <laughs> film the chic for the stage which like already doing gender bent work very cool very interesting yeah, I just can't, I mean, like, doing adaptations in high school, I'm just like, public schools don't even, like, they're they're lucky to get high school musical, okay? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? And she's, you know, she's also doing this on her own time. She's working on the summers, she's doing um, theatrical productions of Streetcar Named Desire, and you can't take it with you. Also, you know, she reaches the height of five, ten and a half by the age of 11. Now, she's a six foot tall woman. That's um, taller than me now. Which is so funny. Because it's not taller than me. but <laughs> At 11 years old, she was taller yeah. than my 34-year ass. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, I'm so happy to know that I would be, like, eye-to-eye with her. Like, it's so nice to know that. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> but she said, you know, negative impact on self-esteem here. Like, this is, you know, that's something that kids bully you about. That's something that you're like, oh, the f- tall freak. Uh. Um, being yeah. tall, being tall as or picking t- being tall as your struggle to me is like the most annoying thing. I don't care. I don't. I'm that, sorry, tall people. I'm not sorry. Like you, you have good lives. Spoken like a short person. Ah! <laughs> We're fighting. <laughs> um, she said she felt like a giant spider, and she, you know she never had the confidence that she could act because she felt so out of place amongst her peers. She went to Sarah Lawrence. She went to Sarah Lawrence. I got into Sarah Lawrence. I will have you wow. know. Yeah, I did. And then my dad was like, "We're poor." Yeah. The thing <laughs> about the thing about good schools is you can't also be poor. Yeah, it's true. Truly. I mean, it's not even a catch-22. It's just honesty. It is. From Sarah Lawrence, she transferred to Stanford as a freshman. Wow. uh, And and she was majoring in English. And the thing is, is like, so she's heavily involved in the theater at Stanford, but she doesn't want to be involved with the Stanford theater program because <laughs> because she she thinks that their drama department was like stuffy and stale so she joins the Powell Alto company and they're doing like Shakespeare Commedia dell'arte like she is capital A acting and is like no thank you to your boring old plays yeah she's like the Bay Area is full of freaks and artists and I'm gonna be part of that world she was gonna enter Stanford's PhD English program and was like I'm gonna be a journalist I'm gonna be a writer and then she was like no thank you once again because she's like this shit's boring yeah this is so boring um and she ends up graduating in 72 with a BA in English um she then applies to Yale School of Drama, and uh, she gets in. It's she, like, you know, I don't understand people who are like, I'm going to get my undergrad degree in whatever the fuck, and then get a master's degree in acting. 
pop off, girly. I guess mom and dad have the money, clearly. Yeah. Um, um, did I mention her dad created the Today Show? <laughs> right, 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 right. Katie Couric, you're welcome. Um, so she had a difficult time at Yale. Um, she she hated the shows they were doing there at the Yale Repertory Theater. Um, and she, she had very little luck getting lead roles while she was there. Um, she actually had an acting teacher refer to her as talentless. Burn. And, Fuck. and they also told her to give up on drama and stick to comedy. Um, but while she's there, she meets Christopher Durang fucking amazing playwright Christopher Durang and he keeps hiring her to do his plays um and she also joins the Yale Cabaret which uh you know really she's like this is what got me through school and she graduates from Yale with a Master's of Fine Arts in 1974 uh she was saying that in that article for the New York Times that at one point she was in Christopher Durang's play Titanic in which she plays several roles. And one of them is a young girl with a gerbil living inside her vagina. And she spoke to a professor who came to see the show and asked him what he thought about it. And he said, well, I, uh, I just didn't truly believe there was a gerbil in your vagina. Right. And it, and it ruined her performance because she was like, I need to, to, to act i need to like discuss research and she said the next night she did it there was not a single laugh in the house wow see and that's don't listen to your teachers kids <laughs> i have to say they could not have been meaner uh, <laughs> and the irony was that they were fired when i graduated so the lesson to me is don't believe what your teachers tell you. She was in the first production of Stephen Sondheim's musical, The Frogs, alongside Larry Blyden and Meryl Streep. As I mentioned, Christopher Durang keeps hiring her. He actually puts her in the original cast of Beyond Therapy, Off-Broadway. And, you know, before her big screen debut, she's in commercials. She does television roles, including a bit on a soap opera called Somerset, which I was not able to find. But maybe if I look a little harder before the editing the episode, there might be a clip. Um, And then she has a really tiny, teeny, tiny part in the movie Annie Hall, the Woody Allen film. Uh, I did not revisit this because, as I've said before, no more Woody Allen on this show. No more Woody Allen. (laughs) But uh, to my vague recollection, she doesn't even have a line. And I was reading somewhere that she actually had a bigger role written for her. But she was like, no, I'm doing theater stuff. So, like... I'm a real actress, actually. So <laughs> so after that experience, she continues working off-Broadway. And I met aforementioned Titanic with Christopher Durang. And finally, she goes in and she auditions for this role in this little Baby film. movie. Yeah, it's this scary movie about <laughs> an extraterrestrial. Made by a small-time filmmaker named yeah, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, this no one. And yeah, she gets, she lands this lead role as warrant officer, Lieutenant Ripley, uh, in the film alien in 1979. There's some info that says that this role was originally supposed to go to Veronica Cartwright. And then Veronica Cartwright was moved to a smaller role. So this larger role could be given to Sigourney Weaver. There's also been talk over the years about how there's nothing in the script that says that Ripley is a woman. Right. And so it's kind of this genderless role. It doesn't really have to, it doesn't really matter that she's a woman, right. which is could, kind of cool. It, anyone can play that role. It's funny that her first like big break is in 
this sci-fi thing that really lays the groundwork. Um, and I, getting into it, I really do think she's the best part of that movie. Um, and I like her. I mean, the character is so good. We, we don't know her her first name until the second movie. So, like, yeah. really in that first movie, she is just Ripley. Like, they are all just, um, you know... Uh, they call each other by last names and stuff. What I love about that movie, I had never seen it before, first of all. I saw it for this. I'd never seen it before because I knew it's fucking scary. And it is fucking scary. I, I was going to say, were you hiding under the covers? I absolutely was, like, doing this thing, covering my ears, and, like, <laughs> and leaning back like this. Um, because, famously, I've said this before on this podcast, I hate when mouths come out of other mouths. And alien... You have said that before on this podcast. I, I know. And what is the xenomorph, which we learn is their names later, They fuck, that's their main gag, the fucking mouth coming out of a mouth. Um, but what I love most about this movie is that it is actually, like, a movie about, like, fucking kind of, like, class warfare shit. Like, it's literally, like, these are fucking working class blue collar people who just want to one get paid and to get home from work and like the um cruelty and obsession with fucking money by the overlord people put them in these awful hazardous situations and they don't care ash when dallas and kane are off the ship i'm senior officer oh yes i forgot you also forgot the science division's basic quarantine law no, that I didn't forget. Oh, I see. You just broke it. Huh? Look, what would you have done with Kane? Hmm? You know, his only chance of survival was to get him in here. Unfortunately, by uh, breaking quarantine, you risk everybody's life. Maybe I should have left him outside. Maybe I've jeopardized the rest of us, but it was a risk I was willing to take. It's a pretty big risk for a science officer. It's, uh... Not exactly out of the manual, is it? I do take my responsibilities as seriously as you, you know. And that's my hot take on Alien. And it's very fucking scary. And and I, I said this on the Discord, um, the music is really good. Like, <laughs> they popped off on that soundtrack. Do you think if the, the crew of the Nostromo went on strike, that Alien would have respected that? Mm-hmm. I think that alien's pro-union. That, please, that alien just wants, you know, to grow the union um, of, of xenomorphs. Um, <laughs> um, that's, I mean, that's true. That's the truth. I mean, but also, like, I think there's a conversation. I, I saw two of the movies. I saw this one and the second one. But, like, the whole idea of, like, there are fucking robots who are taking over their jobs like literally like literally and in the first movie fucking ash who from the jump i was like i fucking hate this guy i fucking hate this guy and surprise surprise he's a bad robot that the fucking (laughs) ash is a goddamn robot yeah and like i'm glad that the other robot in the second one was like a good guy or whatever and like saves a day yes um see i know their names (laughs) i'm friends with them (laughs) i remember ash um i didn't like the second one as much though because I hate children as actors. Yeah, and that's unfortunately there is a child in that movie that is just like la, la, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, listen, the other two have their charms. They also have their negatives. I like Alien Three. I think Alien Resurrection is for for being made by people that I loved at the time too, because it's a Jean Pierre Jeunet film. It's a script by Joss Whedon, and when I was a teenager, I was like. Mm-hmm. Like, give me yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. But it's 
no bueno no um, bueno i mean the year the year was 1997 okay it was yeah. no bueno for a lot of culture but but i do think that alien and aliens like both really deserve their place i mean alien is a very scary horror movie i know you mentioned that she's the best thing in it but i really do love the rest of that cast too ian Holm, harry dean stanton uh yafet koto tom scarrett veronica cartwright and john hurt i think all like it's kind of a weak linkless cast. I think I say I like her the best just because I like her character the best. Yeah. I'm like, everyone else is so like that. The, the Veronica Cartwright character. I'm like, why'd you hit her? She is yeah. doing her job. Like you are stupid. All of you are stupid. Of course. <laughs> of course. The smart woman is like, Hey, contamination. They're like, LOL, whatever. Be in. Don't be a bitch. And, and then the sequel aliens is this brilliant action movie with some horror elements that really yeah. gave us john cameron i mean obviously like you could argue terminator and everything but i think this is the the set piece you know that really gives us the modern james cameron the second movie i think has more iconic like moments like when the alien comes out of the water like behind the little girl i was like okay that's really fucking cool (laughs) but also like eat that girl i don't care (laughs) yeah that's it's so funny too because that's the other thing is one of the things i love about her the idea that Ripley is sort of genderless is that she has to bring a whole host of her own stuff to the table in a very unique way and then I think in the second movie by saddling her with a with a childlike character you're just instantly giving her mom mom vibes yeah yeah and I don't think that's bad I think she's really great and I I think you know but I it is one of those things where it's like instantly like you kind of lose that ambiguity of of who Ellen Ripley is. Amy. Um, she was cremated and interred at Westlake Repository, Little Shoot, Wisconsin. No children. I promised her that I'd be home for her birthday. Her eleventh birthday i mean in the second movie they go out of their way to be like she had a daughter she's died now because it's been so long and like so they're really playing up the femininity of ripley as opposed to in the first movie they're playing up that this woman is fucking smart she's a badass she's gonna take care of shit like in the second movie like literally she's risking her life and the few surviving people left to go save this kid who by all accounts like should have been dead there's no reason for the alien to have done what he did like Sorry, gal. But um, <laughs> it's 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 enjoyable. This movie garners her an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress and a Golden Globe Award uh, for Best Actress. That's so, why I'm, we don't get that these days. No, we like, don't. That's the thing. And like, it's one of those things where like, I don't know, try like, was Charlize Theron nominated for Furiosa in Mad Max? Like, no, no. But even like, like, even like Tony Collette in Hereditary, which people were right. like, what an amazing performance, but it's horror, it's genre, like, they're not going to recognize it. And they don't. Like, I, I can't remember the last horror role that really got, has been um, um, recognized by anybody that's, like, notable. Yeah. Um, it's fucked up. I, and that really gets the ball rolling for her in her career, though. And, I mean, in the next couple of years, you previously mentioned Eyewitness, uh, the Yates film, then you also have the Mel Gibson film, The Year of Living Dangerously. Uh, she stars in Ghostbusters and its sequel, Ghostbusters 2. I'm going to pause right there just to to talk about that era. 
it's funny. Did you see any of those other things besides Eyewitness? I didn't rewatch the Ghostbusters, but I have seen yeah. them. They're like kind of foggy memories back in the day. I did not see the Year of Living Dangerously. Um, so yeah, the thing that I watched for this episode was Eyewitness, which is kind of a crazy movie. <laughs> uh, I it's funny. So Eyewitness and the Year of Living Dangerously are both journalism films, which I yeah. think you you would think is interesting. Uh, I watched Eyewitness today and and was found it really tepid and not really yeah. that interesting. And, yep. and, and the, I think the, the most interesting part of it was I was like, Oh, Christopher Plummer still looked pretty young in 81. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Oh yeah, I guess 81 was when Christopher Plummer wasn't that old yet. Uh, but I, I wanted to talk just briefly and I guess it's just going to be me ranting kind of uh year of living dangerously from 82 is for all, you know, intents and purposes, incredibly misguided mm. and it's funny because i was watching this movie and i was like there's a better way to tell this story but literally it's taking every wrong move and what it is is it's mel gibson and he's an australian journalist and he's in indonesia and he's trying to ingratiate himself with the foreign press and they're kind of not giving him the time of day until he meets this asian man named billy kwan who is half Chinese, half Australian, played by Linda Hunt. Yes, that's the look. And I, yeah. and I just scrolled down on the Wikipedia page and I see the picture. I Linda Hunt won an Academy Award for this. Yeah. And here's the thing. I First of all, I <laughs> there's no need for this kind of race casting. I don't mind that they had a woman play this character. I don't think that that really matters in the grand scheme of things. But this is a white woman playing a half Chinese man. On top of that, it'd be something else if the director, Peter Weir, had been looking at actors of color. But he hadn't. He wanted to give this role to Wallace Shawn. And when he didn't think he could carry the pathos he like found linda hunt and gave it to her and it's one of those things where like it's so misguided in the history of things also uh you know when it comes to sigourney's character since this is a sigourney episode it's so flat and so bad and she's basically there just to be seduced let's go my god i'm a weekend guest what i can't leave with you now everyone you go to And it, it's just really frustrating. It, it like is a movie that's not really interested in the politics that it's about. It's like kind of interested in the broader strokes of those politics. And I was just very frustrated by the end of this movie, and w- which also bothers me because I really like Linda Hunt, and I and I I almost don't think it's fair to judge her for taking this role. But I think she maybe should have said no. When well, they I cast think, her. I think probably like back then it was like, wow, what an opportunity. Like yeah. what a, and we are going to um come across other movies that Sigourney has been in where I think other actors and, and e- even even Sigourney, who are like, Oh wow, what an opportunity. Not taking the moment to be like, it is not the correct opportunity. Yeah. Like that 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 is an opportunity that is not for you, and that is an opportunity that you should respectfully decline because 
no acting challenge or opportunity is worth um, the discomfort and pain and the like, you know, just fuck upedness of taking on those roles. Like the, the, you don't, you don't have to prove anything by being like, oh yes, I can play half Chinese man. Like we right. believe you, Linda Hunt, that you're a good actress. Like so glad that you can do it or whatever. But like, and and I will give her past. Like you know, back then people did not fucking know better, but we do now. And which is the more annoying when we get later into Sigourney's career, when she and other actors should have known better to not take roles. Um, but uh, yeah. That being said, uh, moving along in her career, 1988 happens. It's a huge year for her. She ends up getting both a nomination for Best Supporting Actress and Best Actress in the same year. Best Supporting Actress for Working Girl, which we previously talked about on this so show. So good. So good. So fucking good. And then her Best Actress nom is for Gorillas in the Mist, in which she played Diane Fossey, who it was a primatologist who ended up mysteriously getting murdered. And that, I... I know I said that in a funny way. It's not funny. Like she was murdered and no one's ever been able to solve the crime right. because she like basically ran afoul of a, of a bunch of poachers who like killed her in her sleep. Right. Um, what would you like to talk about first? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we've talked about working girl. I think I do think she has a supreme talent for comedy. I yes. I do think and when it and she is deployed um correctly and like the script is right, she really fucking kills it and it is just so good. Um I think Working Girl is a perfect example of this. I think she's my favorite part of that movie. Um Oh, that's an interesting that's a hot take. I just think um what's the, the lead actress in that movie? Melanie Griffith. Melanie yeah. Griffith is like you can kind of see her falling apart at the seams. Um That's and, Melanie Griffith for you. <laughs> yeah. And so like I just think Sigourney is playing like this a little bit villainous um but also it's like very deeply funny also hbic energy like everything that she has all those tools and she knows how to use them um yeah. so i like the movie a lot and i think she's very good at it. so tess a few ground rules the way i look at it you are my link with the outside world people's impression of me starts with you you're tough when it's warranted accommodating when you can be you're accurate you're punctual and you never make a promise you can't keep I'm never on another line. I'm in a meeting. I consider us a team, Tess. And as such, we have a uniform. Simple, elegant, impeccable. Dress shabbily, they notice the dress. Dress impeccably, they notice the woman. Coco Chanel. Um, how do I look? You look terrific. You might want to rethink the jewelry. She's literally girl-bossing around. Yes, yes. Girl-bossing... Try, try watch that movie and not being like, yes, yes, queen, <laughs> Soleil, all those things. And, and, no, it's funny. She's a very funny villain in that film because, you know, she she really is, uh, you know, I, I guess the 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 simple defense of her character is she's probably doing exactly what the men around her have always yeah. done to her. But it's it's a really interesting portrayal because I think she like imbues it with such weird humanity weird weirdo <laughs> like, weirdo vibes but it's weirdo it's, vibes it, but it's so good now gorillas in the mist yes yeah uh i i think like this is just like the era of hollywood wanting to like make the exotic african movies yeah um or not the era we 
had many eras of that, I guess. Uh, but like, we're back on our bullshit. And I think that Diane Fossey probably had a lot of good intentions. But like, I would even say her work is kind of fucked up. Uh, and I don't, I love animals. I love gorillas. I love mist. But um, people are also important. And yeah. um, science and research and all that should not come at the cost of humans. And I think even in this movie, like there are people being like, I know you want to just say the poachers are bad, but like these are people who are trying to survive in horrible political situations. Um, and so like, it's not as cut and dry as like good and bad. And like the whole thing of her being like, yes, I am a forest witch putting curses on you. Like it's. I, I think I will say this. I, I think the movie actually does a surprisingly good job because I do think it is a very Hollywood movie. Like, I'm sure she fell in love with that nature photographer. I don't think the movie needs it. I'll be no. perfectly honest. And it and it feels very forced and it feels very much like we have to have a love interest in this movie. I will say, I think when the movie does get interesting politically, it never explores yeah exactly the and i think the maybe one of the best scenes in the film is when she's talking to that government official who has actually sanctioned poachers yep to to get a baby gorilla so they can sell it to a zoo because he's like that money goes to medicine and but the problem is is the movie's not interested in no. talking about the foundational problems that like the capitalism is the problem right, where right. like he he shouldn't have to steal an animal to sell to a zoo just so that village can get money but but the movie's not interested in that because it then has to go back to micro focusing on you know on this woman and and the th- the thing like I do think it all the movie also goes out of its way to not present her in the best light always which I think is also an important thing there's that you know one poacher that she pretends to hang which is uh, you know in an american context truly horrific to watch because there there's a lot of weight there to a white woman putting a noose around a black man's neck yep how could you do that I don't care what that man did. This isn't your private kingdom. That was sick. You think I'm sick? (laughs) Am I a murderer? Did I do this? This won't stop until those butchers are stopped. I think that once again, the movie like immediately shies away from that what after after it's done it after it's like think about this it's like but also don't think about it right right i mean it's it's like a part of me is like it's very hard to be like what research was she actually doing she was sitting she was sitting in the forest with the gorillas she confirms they exist and is practicing her gorilla sounds at home like I... It's, it's funny the 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 most irresponsible I thought she was with the gorillas was when she she you know spoiler alert she breaks up with this nature photographer and the next scene it like cuts to her sitting in the rain crying amongst the gorillas and I was like girl yeah <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't feel like research <laughs> right I'm sure Diane Fossey had a very interesting life and I would love to read about her I don't think this movie the Hollywoodification of it all is a disservice yeah. to probably what who this woman was. Um, and also, I think Sigourney is fine in this. I don't think she's like 
amazing. I think she's <laughs> chewing every fucking like piece of scenery she can get her fucking yeah, hands she, on. She certainly has a lot of scenes where she's sort of like expected to blow up. Right. And expect, she, you know. It's it's like she's like a woman. She's she's fucking yelling at everyone because they just don't fucking understand the monkeys. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Well, I I I don't know that this she probably was trying to push for this mo these moments that just didn't exist in the script. <laughs> yeah. Um, and don't call for it. She, you know, she wasn't the original cast. It was Jessica Lang, and then Jessica Lang got pregnant and was like, I can't do it. So, I can see that I can see that. Yeah, I actually think we probably got a better performance with Sigourney <gasps> than Which we is saying a lot. Yeah. Uh yeah, no slight to Jessica Lang, but I I think Sigourney it is what it is. Yeah. Um you know, her next really big uh, moment is Alien 3 in 1992. Uh, we talked about that a little bit. And then she also did the 1492 Conquest of Paradise, the Ridley Scott um, movie about Christopher Columbus. Boo. In which she played Queen <laughs> Isabella, uh, who I just saw one billion statues of while in Spain. So you're like, I know that girl. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Sigourney, what's up? Um <laughs> None of them really want to talk about the Inquisition for some reason. So they're just weird. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just like, Isabella, great. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also appears in the movie Dave with Kevin Klein. I love Dave. You, you told me you love Dave. I did. I, before we even did this, and we normally try not to talk too much about our subjects with each other beforehand, but I was like, put a pin in Dave. Did you watch Dave? I watched Dave. It was one of the first movies I watched for this. Um, Dave is fun because like I love movies that like are so unserious about the presidency. Yeah. Like they're to, like that they're just like yeah we hire doubles all the time and like it, it, it's like a Pee Wee Herman West Wing episode you know like it's so <laughs> it's so like be like yeah just go with it like it, we would just the president's numbers are through the roof because he's like shaking hands and making jokes it's like okay that's i was like oh the politics in the 90s were so cute yeah such a simpler time and i will say this the the thing that i notice now as a more discerning adult because like daveism dave is a movie that i remember when i think of dave when i think of watching dave i think of renting it on vhs mm. with my dad and watching it on like a friday night and like so that's it's like a comfort memory yeah clearly watching it as a discerning adult i was kind of like oh the thing about ivan reitman is that he doesn't have style as a director no and like this movie had it had a point of view directorially i think would be even better which is not to say i didn't enjoy it i really like it i still really like it it's fun and i think what's what's great about kevin klein and sigourney weaver is they have so much fucking chemistry together hot uh, yeah, unexpected chemistry. I, th- For those who don't know, Dave is a movie about Kevin Klein plays the president. He also plays this man who is a presidential impersonator who they hire for just a night to essentially like do a small public appearance where he doesn't have to speak. However, that same evening, the president, while he's fucking a secretary, has a stroke and slips into a coma and the evil uh, like... Chief of staff. Chief of staff. Yeah, the evil chief of staff decides to keep him on as president until he can be named president, which feels like a bit much. Um, And Sigourney Weaver plays the first lady who 
for the public is seen as the you know there's this loving couple but privately they're estranged and she hasn't even been in the same room as this president for months i can't believe you would do something like this not even you how could you how could i what don't patronize me i'm not one of your little bimbos and turn around I'm talking to you. Will you please turn around? Turn around. You know, if you want to be the same old selfish bastard, um, go ahead. I've gotten used to that. But don't put on this man of the people routine and then do something like this. I don't understand. You know very well that was not a works bill that you vetoed. That would have given those children homes. When I think of that spectacle you put on with the little boy and the magic trick. Wait a minute, what's wrong with the magic trick? It was some magic. You made their funding disappear. It's very, you know, to me, it's just like such a classique 90s, like all the beats and notes and curves of like a romantic comedy with like political discourse and if only like the president was like a cool real person like right we would just... I love that it like the the real strong suit is like what if the president cared about poor people yeah and it's yeah. like what's well, like well I guess that is a fantasy then I guess that right. will never yeah. happen he's like what if I just take this calculator and we figure out budget right now <laughs> and they're like I'm... they're like whoa this president's so fucking crazy. <laughs> And I love that I love that politics is so different in the United States now that when he asks the one senator that's on the one committee, he's like, do you want to tell an orphan that they can't sleep in it? Nowadays, that senator would be like, I yeah. do. I'll tell 20 orphans. Yeah, he's like, what's his Twitter handle? I'll tweet him at right now. Um, but yeah, Dave is a lot of fun. Um, she also uh, starred in 1994 in Roman Polanski's drama Death and the Maiden. Um <laughs> This movie is a trigger warning. That movie, like, come in with the mind mentally, like, secure. Um, yeah. You are buckled up. It, it, it's it's going to press all the buttons. All the buttons will be pressed. Starting with, like, hello, it's fucking Roman Polanski. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is the this is a movie that, once again, trigger warning, deals a lot with sexual assault, deals a lot with war crimes. And, and it's really a three-hander. It's literally basically just her... The man playing her husband, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, I, I'd never really seen him elsewhere. And and Ben Kingsley, who is this man that she's kidnapped because she's convinced he was a doctor who sexually assaulted her several times while she was in a prison camp. My hair was different then. Very light brunette. Almost red. Very long. No. I'm not surprised. What time didn't change? I have. It's a hard, hard watch, but I Very think hard. a really, really fantastic performance from all three of them, but specifically her. Um, I, I think Ben Kingsley eats them all up. <laughs> oh, he I mean, that speech at the end is maybe one of the one of the hardest things I've ever watched without without there being a graphical component to yeah. it. Yeah. Like him just delivering those lines and the way like I was just like, holy, holy shit. Um hard this, movie this movie's hard because like i don't like her character in this movie yeah and it, and it makes you i don't think you're supposed to i'll be honest yeah because it forces you to think of like how do you 
how do you react when the woman behaves this way when she is uh, grappling with or trying to deal with her sexual assault and this trauma? And for a lot of this movie, I was like, not really vibing with it. But by the end of it, you were like, oh, fuck. And I think that's the point of the movie. It's to make you uncomfortable, to make you think like, yeah, bitch, you fucking idiot. Why were you thinking that way? Because you're an asshole and you're a man. And I was like, wow, they got me, gal. But I still think like on a technical level, I, I again, I think Sigourney sometimes has a tendency to like overreach for stuff. Interesting. And I, and I wish she had a little bit more because she has that great voice and she has like a really um, expressive face. But I think she like gets too big too often, too fast. And so, you know, there are some great movies that she does do where she is able to navigate the contours of the characters better, the contours of the character better. But in this movie specifically, it's just such a, she's a fucking freight train. And it's not until the very end where she kind of finally slows down and you're, and you're like, oh, okay. Like that, now I can see her as like a fully, you know, layered person. But again, I keep thinking to myself, like, are, is a woman who's been horrifically hurt this way supposed to be rational? Is that the way she like how right. how how is a victim of sexual assault or a survivor of sexual assault supposed to behave? Like, so what you're saying is, is you don't believe there's a gerbil in her vagina, Mama? <laughs> what I'm you're saying s- is, I don't believe women. How about that? <laughs> you're saying she should stick to comedy. Is that what stick, you're stick to comedy? How about that? No, I, I, I mean, it's no, a, it's, I, I get, I it's actually a hard really, movie. I it's really, a hard movie. Un- and I truly understand what you're saying because it is one of those where like you're watching her and you're trying to understand the rationale and, and because it is so big and so broad, you're sort of forced to reckon with your own yeah. prejudices. And, and she does get that moment at, you know, at the end where you're just kind of like, <gasps> <sighs> like, right. it's, it's oh, like, I get it. Her and Ben Kingsley are going in opposite directions as far yeah. as performances. And so, like, you really get to see him grow and reveal himself as a character. Whereas she is this, like, spaghetti on the wall. Yeah. And it's slowly falling down. And so that, that's a harder thing to get into. But... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we should recommend this movie to anyone. But I like... know well, that's the thing is I, I like it's not a pleasure. It's certainly not. Also, it is a Roman Polanski film. So yeah, like... so fuck him. Like I don't. Yeah. I never want to like make, tell people to go watch one of his movies. But if you ever do come across it, it is a very interesting, hard watch. Um, and you know, good luck. <laughs> um, it, also, in the same year, nineteen ninety four, she does a small role in the movie Jeffrey. Uh, she plays like a self-help guru. She's in like a scene. She's so fucking funny. And it's her and like Kathy Najimy and Steven Weber. They were doing it, it for the gays. Yeah, they were doing it for the gays. So good. What you're talking about is evil. Am I right? Um, Why is there disease? Why was there a Hitler? Why are these acrylic? <laughs> Here's the lowdown on evil. It is the absence of love. Ta-da! That's it. Case closed. Where you don't have love, illness makes a home. Wait, I'm sorry. Are you, are you saying that people get sick because they don't love enough? Or because people don't love them? Or It may sound simplistic. It may sound cruel. It may sound like I'm blaming people for their illness. And maybe I am. 
That's Deborah. I saw Jeffrey probably years ago, but hadn't really watched it since. And I didn't realize it's written by Paul Rudnick, who wrote the play. The man who also wrote Sister Act, In and Out, Casual. And, and Adam's Family Values. A gay so, icon. Like, a gay icon. Yeah. So I was like, no wonder this is so fucking funny. Because like the movie's pretty dated, but it didn't yeah, but it yeah. like all really holds up. Um in 1995, she takes the role of an agoraphobic criminal psychologist, uh, Helen Hudson, in the movie Copycat. This is another movie I have, I don't want to say warm remembrances of, like, <laughs> gathering around the V. But I remember watching this with my parents when I was a kid and being like, this shit is scary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, again, these are... There is a brand of movie that Sigourney is in where it's like she is a woman who has been aggrieved in some way. Most of the time it is a violent way. And like she is asked to like navigate these like very like traumatized neurotic women. And for me, it's just like the movies ask of her and these characters to be like crazy and like, oh my God. And I I, I can't leave my... Go, go, gorgeous home in San Francisco. A yes, go- and she with, has a get her. Li- yeah, I was gonna say with her live-in gay man, who's her live-in like- gay best friend, um, who does tragically get murdered. Um, it's 1995. Yeah, <laughs> bury the gays. Um, my favorite part about this movie is um, Holly Hunter. I think Holly yes. Hunter is fucking I was, amazing. I was, movie. I was literally gonna say if you want to talk about being eaten up by a performance, Holly Hunter. Yeah, is, every scene that she's in, she she absolutely steals it. I thought you knew that I, uh, I don't do this anymore. I'm retired. Is that why you called our office 14 times? Because you're retired? Come on, help me out here. I really admire your work. Does she do this, this wide-eyed little girl routine often? Yeah. Does it work? Mm, usually. Sometimes. You can spare me the bullshit, Inspector. You don't admire me. You don't even like me. None of your people do. But the beautiful part is I don't give a fuck. That's the upside of having a nervous breakdown. So. And no slight to Sigourney, but they, I agree. It's it's a sort of, you know, I've been thinking about Sigourney's career, obviously, since we were doing this episode. But I've been thinking about how she says that she rarely will take a role just because she wants to do it. It has to be, she has to see the script. And she has to, like, really get into the script. And I think she likes playing things that will challenge her Mm. to see if she can bring something to it. And I will say she's not always successful. And I know that we, I know that we sound like we're being kind of negative on her. I don't, I don't think we're being negative. I think we're just being honest in the fact that there are things that she does that she will take a role that somebody else won't. And I think perhaps it's more, for her for the experience right then it then it is whether you know it's like a truly good or bad thing obviously she she's finding some entertainment in it but like uh, you know i I, we're gonna get to it at some point later but i cut i was just working at the new york film festival and they showed master gardener which is one of the four films she's in this year casual and in master gardener she plays a a very strict woman who starts having an affair with a former neo-Nazi played by Joel Edgerton and the Paul Schrader, the writer director was talking about how 
his fr- his wife is really good friends with Glenn Close and Glenn Glenn Close or Glenny as he was calling her. Glenny's always like, "Why don't you write something for me?" So he wrote this part for her and she was like, "No, thank you." She's she's like, "You wrote this this for me?" Yeah. <laughs> and so like but Sigourney took it, you know? And and I've heard she's very good in it. So I don't want to but I think that's the thought process is like what's going to be the most challenging and interesting for me and I don't know if that always translates to what's going to be the most challenging or interesting for the audience right or what it, or whether or not this is the right fit for me like because yeah I think actually I think copycat could probably be remade today because I think it's a really great story and like I think there are a lot of things we know now about like violence and assault of women that this could be played very interesting I think this movie and a lot of these movies are victims of their time in 19 in the 1990s what fucking people were writing women who have been traumatized and victimized as fucking crazy people like they they act they act out and like no one is seeing the woman who has survived sexual assault and is like living day to day and like doing her best no she always has to be the fucking agoraphobe who's like yelling at everyone and snapping and then like you know freaking out all the time taking her pills and yeah it's it's really interesting too because and and once again i i do still like copycat but i do understand it's a a, it's a memento of its time but you also have to understand that this is like post erotic thriller era when things are now moving more towards silence of the lambs like serial killer thriller era and so that's really where this comes out of and it's so funny because i often think about how seven comes out around the same time and seven's so well regarded and i wonder if part of that is like seven is a story about men and this is a story about women now i do agree with you i don't know if it's the most well handled story about women but like it's at least trying for something for that. It's, it it I think it takes a lot of big swings that I thought were really interesting. Yeah. When they fucking killed <laughs> I, I was like gag. I'm, I'm gonna bleep that out because I I think people should go in not knowing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it is a gag, but even the very ending, there's twists on twists in this movie. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. being a little ooky spooky crazy boy he's both surprisingly good and terrible in this movie yeah (laughs) it's it's a combo correct correct um but we've spent enough time on copycat Uh, i do want to get to some of the other things 1997's the ice storm specifically ang lee's film we've talked about this previously in our ang lee episode uh i think she's so good here it's not a huge role this is a she's a very cold and angry woman and it's funny because she said after she did this movie like that's all anybody wanted to cast her as now they were like gone is the sigourney of comedy here to stay is this like bitter uh and she was like not having it she's like no like this is not she's like i also don't want women to just be portrayed in this way right <laughs> like i'm not gonna um comment on ice storm i said in my piece in the ang lee episode yeah she's she's not for me <laughs> but i i think she's very good in the role i mean but i understand like why would you ever want to be stuck playing the like oh yeah kind, kind of bitter she's like i'm fun actually <laughs> in 99 she's casting galaxy quest uh, it's funny because she has mentioned they didn't want her for this role. They did not see her as this kind of sexy, ditzy, and she fucking showed them. Yeah. She showed them so much. And she's so good. She's so she's good. She's so good. I rewatched Galaxy Quest today. I wasn't going to, 
because I feel like I've seen the movie enough. And then I was just like, you know what? And I'd forgot, you know, I'm glad I did because I forgot that her whole running gag was that her character on this Star Trek like show was that she literally just repeats what the computer says. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, Galaxy Quest is good. It's tightly written, well performed. Like, everything makes sense like it's so stupid but so so good it's uh, the perfect star trek movie and i yeah, say that as yeah. a star trek fan yeah alan rickman is hilarious oh my god r.i.p alan rickman we I truly love and like the funny thing about him too and i was thinking about this while watching it is it's a very physical role in a way that he rarely got to do unless he was playing a bad guy but like him beating up aliens yeah yeah so good so good um, the only the only negative thing is like Tim Allen. I mean, he's playing the role perfectly. Yeah, he is the perfect William Shatner stand-in. But like, problematic fa- problematic fave. Oh really? I wouldn't want to be around Tim Allen if I didn't have to be. Um, in this, no, in I this... don't either. But like, do I stand Santa Claus? Yeah, I do. Like, sorry, I do have a soft spot for the second one. I know, I know. I, we know, we know. <laughs> she's also in a map of the world which is a movie i did not revisit but i i watched it when we did the julianne um, moore julianne moore episode uh i remember being kind of meh on this movie did you yeah. watch it yeah i rewatched it for this and she's again kind of expected to play a woman on on the verge and going over the edge and so she has like these you know like kind of freak out moments which i get like being a mother is hard and again like fucking kids not for me generally (laughs) um but like you know it's a it's a you can tell that this worked better as a book is what i would say yes there's there's also a lot of that in sigourney's career yeah there's a i mean yeah 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 um so in 2001 she returns to comedy with heartbreakers the Jennifer Love Hewitt vehicle, (laughs) Um, co-starring Ray Liotta, Gene Hackman, and Anne Bancroft in Anne Bancroft's final big screen performance. Casual. Um, I I like Heartbreakers, except for the fact that it's fucking too long. It is is a 90-minute movie stretched way over the misshapen skeleton of like like 110 minutes. Right, what I like that it's like, it's a rom-com, I guess. Or two hours and two minutes. Sorry, it's longer than that. Yeah, yeah. It's a rom-com, but it's a hard R rom-com. Um, and it's trying to have it all. Like, it's it's like, don't think and don't worry about um, the sexual politics of this. Because it's funny. There are funny things here. And it's like, yeah. and, there, and there are funny things. But, like, you just can't remember or can't think about, like, Jennifer Love Hewitt seducing and, like, almost fucking the same men that Sigourney is doing that to. Yeah. Um, Cause their mother and daughter con people for those right. who haven't seen the movie is their mother, daughter and they con people and for certain amounts of money. And Jennifer Love Hewitt wants to strike out on her own. And Sigourney Weaver doesn't want to, cause she doesn't want her to, cause she doesn't think she's ready. Yeah. And like when they, <laughs> they're trying to con Gene Hackman cause he's like this billionaire or whatever, for some reason, Sigourney's character is like I'm an actress and I will be Russian and do a whole thing like a big part of the comedy is like her pretending to be Russian I assume you're here about the insurance so my attorneys will take care of that won't be necessary I have no want to sue you sue me my people will tear you a new I am only come 
to see how you feel. My poor, poor babushka. And then when Jennifer Lo um not Jennifer Lopez, when Jennifer Love Hewitt comes along, she decides to pretend to be British. I'm like, why why are there ten thousand accents being thrown around <laughs> this stupid? Because they're movie? con people, Louie. They're actors. <laughs> what the movie that I want to see in this universe is actually just Ray Liotta and Sigourney Weaver like being lovers and con people together, because yeah. in the end they are perfect for each other. R.I.P. Ray Liotta. He's very good in the movie. And I, I must admit, like, it's one of those things where, like, everybody thinks of Ray Liotta as being such an intense, like, Goodfellas type guy. And he's so fun. I think they, yeah, I think they forget that. And I think he's actually better than Gene Hackman. Yep. But I think Gene Hackman's also saddled with the most annoying character in the world, yep. where yep. he's just, like, a coughing gag. Coughing, yep. yeah. Yep. Um, but I, I do think there's fun stuff in that movie. Ugh, also, Jason Lee. Ugh. Not Oof. for you, not a Jason Lee stand. I just, I, I don't. Love, under, I the, I do like that they let him keep his unibrow in this movie, but well, I, that's what I was saying. I was like, this movie is like, okay, we're gonna have Jason Lee because he's like a normal person, and he's gonna have normal friends. So it's like Sarah Silverman and like Zach Galifianakis. Yes, and so like, and who so, were fun? Who were fun? And so like the movie is like, okay, we need hot people, and then we need normal people for like that section of America, and then we need like. Um, smoking and tits like it's like the, it's it's kind of all over. oh my god I forgot my favorite gag so Jennifer Love Hewitt decides that love is real and she needs to stop being a con artist and so in the end she shows up at Jason Lee's bar to reveal all this and the way the filmmakers decide to let us know visually that she has changed is they crimp her hair yep <laughs> literally this entire movie, she has her regular Jennifer Love Hewitt hair, but then she shows up to the bar to be like, but daddy, I love him. And she has her little crimps in her hair. I was like, she's so crazy and she's so she, normal now, guys. She has turned over a new leaf and that leaf is crimping. And yeah, and under that leaf was a hair crimper. Um, I don't want to end up talking about every single movie she's ever been in. But in 2003, she does Holes. In 2004, she does The Village. Vantage Point in 2008. Baby Mama in 2008. Um, I These are all like of, tip spots. Yeah, exactly. I will say, I think she does have a, a decent part in Holes. And I kind of like this villainous role. I had never seen Holes. I'm... <gasps> I'm old. <laughs> so like, have you ever read I, holes? No. Well, that's the thing. So, so like, I think everybody in your generation, um, and I know it's only like four years apart, but I know everybody in your generation had to like read it in school. I was already a freshman in college when this movie came out. I already had three so kids when I had holes three came kids. Out. <laughs> I'm paying a mortgage. I, I don't have time for holes. And, uh, but I, I watched it and I think the movie's kind of a mess. I'll be perfectly honest, except for the, the kiss and Kate Barlow stuff, which I was yeah. like, this should get its own fucking movie. This is yeah. so good. But I do think that like Sigourney Weaver's, like, it's not a nuanced performance, but her like prison warden, snake venom, nail polish wherein like is, is a lot of fun in a very scene chewy way. And I think she got to, she got to have a lot of fun. Dr. Pendanski, drive X-ray back to camp. Give him double shower tokens and a snack. But first, fill everyone's canteen. I already filled them. Excuse me? I had already filled them when you drove up in the car. Excuse me? Did I ask you when you last filled them? No, you didn't, but... Excuse me. Now, these fine boys have been working hard. Don't you think it just... Might be possible they have taken a drink since you filled their canteens. It's possible. 
Oh, it's possible, is it? Uh, also, behind the scenes gossip, she like didn't want to work with Shia LaBeouf and didn't want him anywhere near her because his father kept hitting on her and being Ugh. really weird. Ugh. I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, honestly, read the book. It, it's it, the, the the twists are all gags. Like it's it's really good and satisfying. Um, I remember when Vantage Point came out. I've not seen it. I've still not seen The Village. Sorry, uh, no, I was in no. Spain. And then Baby Mama. I think she's funny in, but also like, eh, you know, yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's a, my favorite movie. Um, she <laughs> ends up recording the American narration to BBC's Planet Earth, uh, which the British version was narrated by David Attenborough. So if you go to England and you're like. I would like to watch some planet earth. And then you don't hear Sigourney's warm, soothing <laughs> tones. Sorry. They do stuff different over there. Um, and she does voice work in the movie Wally. I was going to say, I think her next big thing is actually she's da- after planet earth. She's really dabbling more into TV um, and prayers for Bobby, which is a TV movie. It was kind of a big deal. Like it was, you know, for a, for a TV movie, it was like a pretty big get to get her, and it kind of like got some award um, love. Um, it's she, a very... she was nominated for an Emmy. This was her reach for her EGOT. <laughs> she did not. She, you know, she has a Grammy. I will give her that. Like she does, she's she's got something in the EGOT. But yeah, I, I think "Prayers for Bobby" is like a. It's very emotional. It's very like dated, I guess. But like, it's. I'm not mad at it. It serves its purpose, and its purpose is to like for middle America, you know, like, and yeah, <clears throat> I, I watched it. I was a little shocked at, since it, it was directed by Russell Mulcahy, who's a director. I, I like, and one of the things I like about him is that he's a, a queer director who was directing all these big action movies in the eighties as kind of like a fuck you to like, you know, all these people that are like, Oh, manly men and whatnot. And it's like, yeah, there's a fucking dick sucker at charge. Like, <laughs> Ah, take that. But uh but I was a little shocked at how TV movie it was. And I get and maybe once again, you know, we've talked before about, you know, like all these movies are very hard to make. They're not especially lifetime movies, they're on very strict schedules, they're on very limited budgets and they ha- you know, you really have to but there's like a camera effect they did when you know, the Prayers for Bobby is a a movie about a a son of a fundamentalist Christian uh, mother who has many children and he comes out as gay and she basically just keeps telling him he's going to go to hell until he kills himself. And then she comes around in the end and, and it's based off a real woman who really has, has after her son took his life has transformed her, her thought process and, and has become much more accepting and helps other people become more accepting of their children. So it's like a, a pretty noble cause and a pretty noble outing but i was just like it's quaint oh yeah why is it gotta be so tv movie yeah yeah Yeah, mark Wahlberg gets gets to make the movies about gay suicidal kids like why is going to get the big budgets yeah and i i will say i think she's very good um i think it's like a hard i mean i she is in my eyes like a gay icon and i think like it must have been difficult to like say all the kind of foul things that she has to say in this movie. Joy's right, Bobby. The Bible says men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the due penalty for their error. You just won't change, will you? Well, I can't erase what's in the Bible. Personally, I think people should be able to love whoever they want. Mm. 
Did I mention how good lunch is? Even animals know who to do it with. And then come out on the other side of it. Um, and fuck me if I did not shed a tear when she's walking in that fucking pride parade in the end. Like, it's quaint, and but like, if you have a beating heart, it will probably get you, gal. It's so crazy to think about the fact that in the same year, she's in Avatar. Yeah. The, the she, highest she, made, gro- she made a movie for $12 and then made a movie for a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. She owns four residents now. <laughs> um, but no, but I mean, Avatar, highest grossing film of all time. Um, she plays a scientist in it. Uh, Avatar is a movie I saw once in IMAX and have never really felt the need to revisit. Sorry, Avatar stands. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you love the sequel. Maybe right. I'll see it someday, but like... It's not my thing. It's Pocahontas in space. Yeah, Pocahontas in space. Um, there, there's, you know, blue people. Blue people. Uh, a a white savior has to come in and teach yeah. them how to do things, and and it's <sighs> fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it when I saw it. I was like, yeah, that's v- great. Beautiful yeah. gowns. Beautiful, beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. And really, this this like bit now that she's been you know she's an actor who said she likes to do a movie a year she likes to really get into it but she's done a lot of tip spots like you were mentioning she you know she's the queen of the vampires and amy heckerling's vamps which is a really unfortunate movie if you unfortunate very unfortunate um she's in exodus gods and kings uh which is another ridley scott film also she really likes to work with the same people over and over again. You you have your Ridley Scotts, you have your Ben Kingsleys, you have your Alan Rickman, who Alan... because she was in Snow Cake, which I watched today and is crazy. Gavin didn't watch it because it's Canadian and he hates Canadians. Um, you know that is that is a myth. <laughs> Canadians aren't real. Um, Kevin Klein, um, who they teamed Kev- up together in The Good House. Absolutely. Ivan Reitman, who we just found out is a creep. Yep. And uh, yeah, so like sh- she, you know, she likes to to revisit so- certain people. And, and I think part of that is, you know, she comes from like a theater troupe background. Right. So I think part of that is that like she gets that comfort from that. I do also want to mention uh, a previously aforementioned movie that we've discussed on the show 2010's You Again, in which she got to act uh, against her friend Jamie Lee Curtis. So fun. We, we talked about it in our Jamie Lee Curtis episode. I think it's a lot less fun than you do. I love this movie. But I did, I believe I did say in that episode, to me, the best stuff was the Jamie Lee Curtis Sigourney Weaver stuff, and I wish we could add more of it. So I feel I mean, a little this, vindicated there. This movie is the proposal wannabe, and I, yeah. I don't care. It's so funny. <laughs> She was in Ghostbusters Afterlife in a very brief cameo in the end credits. And if you made it all the way uh, through that really boring movie with no jokes to get mm-hmm. to the end credits, congratulations. That's Sigourney Weaver easier reward. Um, <laughs> and then, as you mentioned, she she just reunited with Kevin Klein in September for The Good House. It's a film about a woman who's a recovering alcoholic. But she's not really recovering. She's, she's not just, recovering. She's, she's just an alcoholic. She's an in-denial alcoholic. And uh, there's a lot of direct address to the camera. I didn't really like this movie. Really? Um, yeah. No, it didn't really do much for me. I thought she was I thought she was decent in it. I don't and I think I think it has a, a really fucking funny scene with Kevin Klein where 
he's like fucking her and her daughter's like trying to talk to her and he just continues to fuck her yeah yeah i actually think the movie worked for me i hate the title of the movie the title's yeah. stupid um but i think it, it worked for me i think she's very good in it. i think she's finally giving us not finally like she's fucking been in a career forever but like she is giving us like layers here it's not she's not just yelling which sometimes i think she just goes to and so i and it kind of snuck up on me like i wasn't sure where she was going but like there is like this generational depression that her and her mother and her daughters are dealing with that i i thought was a kind of a interesting slow burn type of movie also who's the hot comedian who's in this um, oh, Rob, um, Rob Delaney. Delaney, yeah, he's yeah, he's good. He, I like him a lot. He's so fucking hot. You're right. He's so hot. Um, but uh, and she's a little bit of a witch in this movie. So I'm back in therapy. You are. What for? Anxiety. I feel like I'm not doing a good job at work. Like I'm not doing a good job with. I'm kind of a mess. <laughs> Welcome to motherhood. If you tried a martini. <laughs> Very funny. I don't know. I don't know what it was that didn't work for me. I think it to me it felt exactly like what you were talking about about how like I'm sure it's a great book. Yeah. But I think I think the things at the end of it really felt so like beach read to me. And I don't want to give anything away since it is a 2022 movie, but like some of the stuff that happens towards the end, I was just like okay, like, this is this is paperback, like, fiction. It is. I mean, it's very that vibe, though. And if you're into it, I mean, I... I was I was I was on the ride. I was I was buying it. I was eating it. I was reselling it. I was into it. Just a real quick note on her personal life. She's been married to stage director Jim Simpson since October 1st, 1984. They live in New York, in Manhattan. She's been there her entire life, basically. And they have one daughter together, Charlotte. Uh, it's so funny. I was watching an interview with her with Conan, uh, and she was talking about Charlotte and she's like, my daughter who's 11. And then I realized the interview was from like 2002 and I was like, <laughs> I was like, her daughter's like 31 now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, that's how time works, folks. After making Grills in the Mist, she became a supporter of the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund. Um, and she's now an honorary chairwoman there. Uh, she was honored by the Explorers Club for this work and is considered to be an environmentalist. In 2006, she drew international attention through a news conference at the start of the United Nations General Assembly policy deliberation. She outlined the widespread threat to ocean habitats posed by deep sea trawling, an industry method for catching fish. And then on April 8th, 2008, in the Rainbow Room, she hosted the annual gala of the Trickle Up program, a nonprofit organization focusing on those in extreme poverty, mainly women and disabled people. So she is like clearly a force for good in this world. She's like yeah. clearly putting her money where her mouth is. And she's also like very queer, very clearly liberal. Yeah. That's, yeah. Classic. Yeah, it's funny because she's talked about her parents about they're kind of conservative and or would say more conservative things, even though they were like liberal minded. You know, I had an English mother and she, she wasn't stern, but, you know, it wasn't she wasn't your cuddly sort of mushy mother. And um, so I I was very interested because I think her generation also there, you know, they kept a lot of things inside. And uh, sometimes it was perhaps maybe hard in general to talk about things that were difficult. Stiff upper lip and all of that. 
a very interesting career. Um, and, you know, we didn't hit everything, but I think we're going to hit some others in our next segment. Um, and I I just love, like, there have been lulls in her career and, like, you know, when she has to do more tip spots. But I think she's on the upswing again. She's, she's yes. And we'll get to that even later. Um, but for Absolutely. now, Gavin, why don't we get into our picks and talk about our one-star reviews? Let's discuss um, the things that didn't work for us. Um, we, I, I talked a little bit about like how I think sometimes she is like too much on the gas too often, and I and also I think she just picks bad movies to be in sometimes. Like <laughs> I think Snowcake is, I mean we didn't. I, <laughs> Snowcake is a Canadian movie that came out in two thousand six where she is playing an autistic woman, um, an autistic mother. Um, Alan Rickman, who they work together in Galaxy Quest. Alan Rickman is just got out of prison because I love that I love that you're saying this like it's seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. You're like seven Alan degrees of Rickman. Alan, Alan Rickman. <laughs> yes. Um because I want to one day play that game and actually be good at it, and I'm not good at it right now. Um Alan Rickman, like, he's picks up a hitchhiker and she's like a kooky little crazy girl, and unfortunately they are in a car accident and she dies. She is the daughter of um, Sigourney's uh, of Sigourney, and he goes to go apologize, and he's surprised and shocked that she is an autistic woman. And let me just say that Sigourney is giving the full "I am Sam" treatment, and it is hard to watch. B a a n g. You can't have two A's in bang. In comic book word Scrabble, you can. You can have three A's if you want. With a double letter score that makes 22 points. This game is ridiculous. It isn't. It isn't because you get to say words like Kerrang and Boing and Cowabunga and Buttocks. What comic book did that come out of? Well, I don't know. I just like saying Buttocks. But I have to say my one star review um, is this movie, but somehow worse. Um, it is 2016's The Assignment, um, which I, I saw s- this coming. I saw that yesterday, finish it today. Uh, the assignment, if we, we, we were not paying attention, um, you may have recalled like right or, you know, a couple years before the pandemic, there was a movie that was like really controversial because Michelle Rodriguez was playing a man who is forcibly uh, undergoes a sex change by a mad scientist. Um, and that mad scientist is Sir Gordon Weaver. Um, I remember the news about it and then like no one watched the movie because duh, right. why would they? Um, but, he, and, and I said, I'm going to watch one more movie and what is this on HBO max? And I'm like, Oh my God, it's that movie. Like what the fuck? Like, Oh shit. Like this here, it, it, it does exist. I thought the movie just never got made. Um, and it is a doozy to watch beyond Michelle Rodriguez and the choices she has made in this movie. And the fact that she looks crazy town and that um sex change surgeries just do not work the way that this movie wants us to believe they do you cannot shave someone and magically their like follicles on their face just like are gone the next day that's not how that works um sigourney i think is actively bad and i think it's because the script is actively bad i think they make her say crazy things i think um she is trying to do the thing that she did in The Defenders 
Netflix show thing where she's like, yes, I'm a mom, but I'm bad. And like it worked in that Defender. I mean, she's the best part of Defenders because Defender sucked. But in this context, she's like very literally like strapped in the crazy the the straight jacket yes and is like jacket. and is and she's like i'm actually an artist don't you know that and my, i'm quite good at surgery you could hardly see any scars at all and i'm like just because you said that does not explain why michelle rodriguez wakes up as a fully like flawless no scarred woman when in fact she's a man it's it's even hard to talk about i <laughs> I think nothing could be more clear than the scene in which she's like being deposed by like the medical ethics board towards the end of the movie. Right. And she's doing her like very flat matter of fact, like you're all idiots and I'm a genius. And I was just like, like, why, why are we doing this? On your terms? I am sorry for nothing. Absolutely nothing. I am proud of the experimental work I was doing for the benefit of every living human being. Sometimes harsh methods have to be used on the road to progress. That is my statement. I will answer no questions. None of you are worth my time. Now take me back to myself. Tony Shalhoub, by the way. I know. Speaking of Galaxy Quest. And, uh, yeah. And I expect better from both of them in their scenes. And they're really, I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's the script. And uh, you know what I kept thinking about? Because we talked about this, uh, a similar, but also very dissimilar movie. Um, the skin I live in when we talked about Amadovar. I was thinking about that. Yeah. And this is like the bat, even though this is not really a Hollywood movie, because this is like Walter Hill doing, Uh, As Walter Hill has said, like, this was his tribute to the B-movies that he grew up with. You know, he he was like, I I didn't set out to hurt anybody. I didn't, but I I still think some thought process could have gone into it more. But but I was like, this is like the bad Hollywood version of The Skin I Live In because it really removes all the complicated pathos and all of the, you know, and and I do actually think, still think that The Skin I Live In is maybe one of... um, Almodovar's um, like more lurid films. Mm-hmm. And well, he's he's very obsessed with like transness and like right. that I think a lot of his movies very yeah. frankly deal with that. This movie has no interest in any of that no, shit. No, exactly, exactly. There's no nuance here. There's no subtlety. Everybody and everybody is very arch. Every you know, she Sigourney Weaver is the mustache twirling villain. She truly is. She's if she showed up in every scene with a black hat, you wouldn't even notice it because you'd right. just be like, yeah, that's. They make her say, "I empathize with those who want to get um, gender reassignment surgeries, but I wanted to scar Frank Kitchen," and it, and so it's like this movie wants to have it every which way. Yeah, but like. You know things are bad when Michelle Rodriguez takes off her bandages, lol, and wakes up as a woman and, like, reveals her vagina and just falls to her knees and starts screaming, no! (laughs) I was like, was this the take? This was the take? I mean, also... There's a bit at the end where she, like, gets out of a trap by basically being like, Oh, I'm a woman now, and I bet you guys haven't seen a lady in a while. And I was like, what what is happening? Horrifying. Yeah. Um, Uh, But but again, to refocus, like, 
I think Sigourney is very bad in this. Yeah. I think there is no part of uh, her performance that I thought was like redeeming good. Um, she's just like, yeah, I'm a doctor on the side and I'm really smart and I'm an artist and she killed or he killed my brother. And so now to say the lines, I've made you a woman. You, This is your second chance at life. It's like, what? 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 Yeah. No. Um, I actually did not have another pick for <laughs> my one star review either. I just watched the assignment today and was horrified by it and, and truly agree. I think she is like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy for her. Nobody saw this movie. Yeah. But I think this goes to the thing I was saying about where she like, picks these characters that she thinks, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if I did this thing that allowed me to, because she clearly didn't do this movie for money. This was a, you know, this was a movie made on the cheap that as Walter Hill said, the, the thing that the company that produced it said is that they were going to give him a little money and he needed to find star power for it. Yep. And, and that's, and that's literally it. Uh, So I, I don't know. I, I, she must've, found something challenging in that character but once again that doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's challenging or entertaining for the audience and that's and that's where the the beat is to me this is her overthinking there's a gerbil in my vagina and the audience isn't laughing yeah absolutely i mean i again i'm like i think her and copycat and her performance in death and maiden and even grills the mist i'm like bring it down gal you don't need to be reaching that much wait what is the movie where oh half moon street i saw half moon street where she's like a middle eastern scholar oh no well she doesn't play the she's a scholar okay, of good, the middle good. east i got um, very nervous for a moment and like it's and she's british and she's it's drama and spies and michael kane and like i just think a lot of these she she tends to overact a little bit, I think. Um, and I just think she doesn't have to because she has all the tools and powers. Right. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's my hot take. That's my mixed review on Sigourney. Sorry, girl. I, I just want to give one real quick more because there was one other thing that I did that I didn't really like is uh, she in 1997 did snow white a tale of terror (gasps) oh my god (laughs) she plays the evil queen in snow white and she said it's the only time she's ever did it without reading a script because she just really wanted to play an evil queen and she said that she wanted to play this character because she wanted to she didn't want to to play her just as evil she wanted her to be like uh like a mother and prove that there's like a motherly instinct i'm sorry babe no, you're no, just, no. Yeah, you're just the evil queen. And like there, there's just no, especially in this movie. There's no nuance to it. It's literally just like I'm a witch. I'm an old woman. Like that's yeah. the yeah. Th- they said blood, honey. We're gonna yeah. make it macabre. Like it's it's uh, such a clear like. Was this like one of like Cinemax's first movies or something? Like Showtime, actually. Showtime. And like it, it's funny because this was supposed to be a an, an actual theatrical release, and then they realized like, nope. Oh no no, and, no 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 no! This is yeah. the direct to DVD section, Mama. How did she look in that final moment? Did she cry out? Did she beg for her life. 
you know it was me? My brother. You mustn't feel remorse. The blood you spilled was just the venom of a scheming child. Okay, let's get out of our one-star review. Let's get to a much more positive area and talk about our five-star reviews. I am torn. <laughs> You're Natalie and Brulia torn. I am Natalie and Brulia torn. I do think that there are films in which she is very, very good in. Uh, I do. Th- I actually kind of do think you're right. I do think she does have a tendency to overact or overreact. Mm-hmm. You know, if acting is reacting, then she's overreacting as well. And uh, you know, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always make for an enjoyable watch. Um, but I, f- I feel like, <sighs> what, what do I want to do? It, do? do it. Do it. I feel like I really want to give it to Galaxy Quest. I really, I know, I know there's somebody in the audience who's like, why isn't he giving it to Alien? I, I love her in Alien. I would love to talk to about her in Alien for hours. I think it's really fascinating. I think there's, you know, there's, she basically like reinvents a genre, right? Because the reason that people watch sequels to horror movies is to see the monster. And she was like the reason for the sequels for alien. And I think in all honesty, I know there's a lot of critics who love the like Ridley Scott, non Sigourney Weaver alien movies, like the alien Billy Crudup years or whatever. And the, (laughs) the, the the one with the big guys of the big four. I don't even remember the names of these anymore. Alien, the other one. The other one. Uh, like, I think uh, the reason they, part of the reason they don't work for me is because, like, I love, fucking love Ellen Ripley, regardless. Uh, what I, I think my, my final choice comes down to Galaxy Quest. And I think what it is, is I think she's really getting to do the, everything that she's basically been told that she hasn't been able to do, um, but also them be like, you want to see me in a fucking comedy? Here's me in a fucking comedy. So she's like able to apply her actual like years of theatrical study and, you know, years of work of character work and give it to this kind of like ditzy blonde, like actor who, you know, is is all instinct and all just like I'm trying my hardest here. What is this thing? I mean, there's no useful purpose for there to be a bunch of choppy, crushy things in the middle of a hallway. No, I think mean, we shouldn't have to do this. It makes no logical sense. Why is it here? Because it's on the television well, show. Forget it. I'm not doing it. This episode was badly written. I really love this character, as we mentioned briefly before. Galaxy Quest is this film in which, you know, it's this crew of this TV show. There are all these actors who were on this Star Trek-esque TV show 20 years prior, and they essentially get drawn into an intergalactic battle by real aliens who believe their former adventures on TV are reality. And she plays this, um, she plays Gwen DeMarco, who played Lieutenant Tawny Madison on the show. She's the ship's communications officer and uh, the only officer aboard who can give orders to the ship's computer. So she like literally repeats everything the computer says. And so she's taking this very silly, very like 
not what would seemingly be a not important role and making her very important and it's very funny and yeah there's this romance subplot with tim allen that i don't really love but i think she plays (laughs) it really well there's a great moment where they think they're gonna die and i i will give the movie this even though they do give them a kiss at the end the moment where they think they're gonna die the thing they do is they hug each other yeah instead of kissing and i love that choice i love that it's like we're gonna die I need to be close to the person I'm going to die with. It's not about romance. It's about fear and just needing the touch of another person. (laughs) And I do like that he's about to like confess his feelings to her. And as they like, don't die and run away. She's like the thing you were saying. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's, it's really funny. I also think there's a lot of really smart physical choices that, you know, I only noticed this time around because I was really looking for, for things that, that set this role apart. At the very beginning of the film, the rest of the cast is all pissed off because Tim Allen keeps making appearances without them and getting paid more money for them. And Alan Rickman's character is really pissed off that he's stuck in this role. And there's this great bit where they're being introduced one by one and walking out on stage. And Alan Rickman's clearly pissed that he's there. And she takes her arm and touches the small of his back. And it's something that you only notice in the wide shot. And I was like, that is such a lived in choice. Yeah. That is somebody who is the friend of this man who like understands the pain that he's in of, <laughs> of feeling like the stupid. con pain. <laughs> yeah. Con pain, like feeling stupid and sad. And I, I loved watching that. I love like, to me, that's the, the thing that she does really well when she's able to, to take it down and make it sort of subtle and make it more internal and you know she's just such a joy in that movie anyways i've rambled on and on enough about galaxy quest i'm as shocked as you are that it's my five-star review but guess what it is louis what is your five-star review i was going back and forth between two choices as well but i think in the end the thing that got me more that i came away thinking about more uh is alien (laughs) Um, that's good that's good because honestly you know i've done ties before on the show but i don't want to do it so i'm glad you picked it but alien is really amazing so yeah so 1979 directed by ridley scott um yeah for all the reasons i talked about up top but even like you know just she this is the movie that i feel like she wasn't overthinking it she was just you know and again i mean it's a great um script really well written really well directed so like all the things lined up um for her and like even you know she she is sexy in the role like they have her in those little panties and that little crop top a lot of the movie um but like i believe her when she's scared like i i was most these fucking movies love being like and they got away but then she didn't like you know every fucking time she thinks she's out of the woods there's more shit. What was your special order? You read it. I thought it was clear. What was it? Bring back life form. Priority one. All other priorities rescinded. There's a damn company. What about our lives, you son of a bitch? I repeat, all other priorities are rescinded. How do we kill it? There's got to be a way of killing it. How? How do we do it? You can't. 
I just think that she is so um, like expressive and just very, very fuck. Like she's a perfect example of like a hardworking blue collar person who is smart and is not, um, I don't know, an asshole. Like, cause she's fucking surrounded by them. In both of these movies, it's fucking wild. Wherever she gets back to, they're like, hmm, you just blew up a $49 billion ship and we're going to need that to come out of your wages, babe. I'm so sorry. Um, which is a fucking psycho thing. And like, that's capitalism. That's America. And I'm sorry for us all. Um, I'm getting off track, but I just think she's so good in this and like is able to communicate all of these things about the character my other pick was Working Girl. I just oh, think yeah. She's so great in Working she's Girl. She's so yeah. good. I think both... I think Alien and Working Girl and Galaxy Quest, like, are just, like, the trifecta. They really showcase the range of how good she is and that she can do what I think is, like, the hardest stuff. Like, the hardest stuff is doing comedy and the hardest stuff is doing, like, genre stuff. And she fucking aces it every single time. Um, yeah. That's the thing is the... The, when she does take a big swing, but also like finds a way to to fit it into her acting style, and that's you're right. I think you know I I truly do love Alien, and I don't want anybody to think that I I don't because I didn't pick it as my five star review. But I I think that she is able to convey so much in so little. Mm-hmm. Like it's claustrophobic. That you know, she doesn't even have a ton of dialogue no. in that movie, and, and yet you know, you really do. You get that sweat and that fear, and you know, and it's funny because she, I listened to an interview with her from around the time the movie came out, and it, she said it's hard. She doesn't think of Ellen Ripley as a as a violent person because no. because you know what what she does in Aliens she's really pushed to do. So when you watch her in alien, like she's not craving the violence. She's not like going after this alien, like looking to be like, let's fuck shit up. You know, I had a sort of an unanticipated, very, uh, un- uh, uncomfortable reaction to, to shooting and killing things. Uh, um, I think it would, I'm so glad that they were monsters and not people. Cause I think that would have been much, much harder. Um, but uh, I think that's good. I, I mean, I sort of tried to use that because I don't think Ripley is a violent person, especially after everything that's happened to her. So I think that the decision she finally makes to wreak havoc on the aliens is um, is sort of a, a, a tiny explosion of madness for a second, you know. She just wants to get out. She's yeah. She's she's scared, and she's but she's also smart, and she has like a lot of ingenuity, and she's like. It's it's so frustrating because you see her like follow every step that could like potentially stop this shit in its tracks, but everyone around her is such a fucking idiot and <laughs> hates women. <sighs> Misogyny at its finest. I agree. Um, all right, before we get into our fast forward, let's do our mixed reviews review. My one star review was, or both of our one star reviews was 2016's The Assignment. Correct. And my five-star review was 1999's Galaxy Quest. And my five-star review is 1979's Alien. An excellent selection. Why don't we get into that fast forward? We mentioned up top, she is 
on the upswing. She's baby. She's in she it. is she is booked and blessed. I mean, th- this is the thing, and and she has said, you know, like she didn't plan this. She, you know, she's she said she likes to do one film a year. She was not expecting all four of these movies to come out at the same time. But you know, we just had the Good House. Terrible name for a movie. Um, I kind of feel like RuPaul being like Heidi and Closet, not a good name, but yeah. I feel like less of a dick saying that. Um, <laughs> uh, then also she has Master Gardener, which just played the New York Film Festival. She also has uh, Call Jane, which mm-hmm. just came out this week, and then Avatar Two, which sounds like it's gonna be the biggest thing since sliced bread. Since so, Avatar like, One. <laughs> since Avatar One. <laughs> And so, like, because Avatar you know, comes out like what next month? Yeah. So she, yeah, she's just gonna be red carpet, red carpeting it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Call Jane looks interesting. I, it's like, um, it's definitely feminism, right? Pregnancy. It's, it's a movie Roe. about abortion in a in a pre Roe v Wade world, which we're now in a post Roe v Wade world. So, like. So weirdly fortuitous timing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who could have seen this coming? Truly. <laughs> I wonder where is it being released? Or like, is it? It came out last weekend. Huh. It feels like very much a movie that like Hulu would put out. No, it's theatrical. It's full on theatrical. Good for them. Yeah. I just don't like if, if they want people to watch it, they should put it on Hulu. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. The no theatrical experience, Louis. <laughs> like, yeah, I love the theater too. There's a lot of good movies out, but like, I want people to see this movie. No one's gonna go fucking to Alamo right. Draft House to watch Call Jane. I know, I know. That's the unfortunate thing. Uh, what would you like to see her do in her career? You know, she's 72 now. Yeah, uh, that's wild. But she doesn't seem to be slowing down in any way, shape, or form. I think you know there was a brief time period there where she was very loosely considering an Alien Five when Neil Blomkamp, who directed her in Chappie, like pitched her an idea, and she was like, "I'll do it if he directs it." And there was like some casual movement on that, but then it all kind of went tits up and Ridley Scott did what he wanted with his prequels. So like, I don't think I need 72 year old Ellen Ripley, like wandering right. around. I right. Think it's kind of, it's kind of giving like Indiana Jones vibes where it's like, right. at this point, like I, it's, I appreciate the effort. It just is IP mining at this point. Like I don't need it. Um, kind of in the same way. We probably don't need more avatars, but whatever. Uh, I mean, James Cameron, you know what? <laughs> I do not want to go off on James Cameron because this is not his episode. But like, listen, if he put as much effort into like making smaller movies like that, I, I, I know his whole thing is like innovation, innovation, innovation. I'm sorry. Avatar didn't change the game. We still have really shitty looking CG in Marvel movies all the time. Yeah. Like Ava- Avatar didn't up the ante. So right. and and like sure, whatever. If this one's beautiful, it's beautiful. That's great. But like not everybody's gonna be, be able to spend 20 years right. making their underwater avatar movie. Yeah. So like that I don't know. I it it feels like a fool's errand to me because in the end, like, what did he prove? Right. Like I don't know. In a in a way, he has the same problem that she has. He he t- does a lot of things for himself that doesn't necessarily mean they're productive for the audience. Right. Um, I forgot to mention. I did watch the sound my Salinger year. Um, oh, I did too, actually. Yeah. And I think like 
that kind of character. And I, I mean, I think both the good house and my Salinger year are good representations of like things that I do want to see her in. Like yeah. sh- interesting women who are going through shit. Um, both movies are kind of like you said, beach read type movies that are just like easy to go down, like have a little bit of drama, a little bit of fun. Um, and I, that seems like the lane that I like her in. I, I, it's funny. I, I think again, to go back to Jamie Lee Curtis, like they're both finding these fun new things right. to do in this like third act of their careers. But, and, but also like to, to reference Jamie Lee Curtis, like, but I did also just have to sit through a movie where she had to fight fucking Michael Myers again. Right. So right. like, yeah, I mean, th- uh, you know, they're both getting the checks, but right. like, you know, they're getting checks and then also still dipping back into the small indies. Um, and so I, you know, they're doing what they got to do to pay the bills. But um, hopefully, I mean, well, there's another fucking Avatar after this one coming out whenever, I guess. But like, great that we get to see Master Gardener, you know, like great right. that we get to like, even though who fucking knows she plays a neo-Nazi or whatever fucker, whatever that movie you said. She's a neo-Nazi. The guy's a neo-Nazi. No, she's the guy's a neo-Nazi. Yeah, yeah. She's fucking the neo-Nazi. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that turns out. But <laughs> she, I mean, she's still making swings, you know. And what I, what I do like is like she is that New Yorker girl. Yeah. Um, whereas Jamie Lee feels more like LA girl. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of like those two um, great, uh, you know, sentinels standing at the um, coasts of theater and film in America. I would love to see them do like a. Uh, whatever happened to baby jane together yes yeah. oh my god i mean can can I, you imagine can you imagine a because i think i would i think i would put sigourney in bet betty's role because i think that's the sort of intensity and i think jamie lee would be more yes. joan crawford yes and can you just imagine sigourney weaver doing the i'm writing a letter to daddy so <laughs> fucking good i mean yeah they are both masters of comedy and genre and i think that that is i mean whatever happened baby jane is fucking that like yeah them being campy like unfortunately vamps wanted to be that and it wasn't it's so rock bottom man um and so i I, I saw vamps once and i couldn't bring myself to do it again yeah i watched it once a while ago and i was like no 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 what i don't need her in is like more of these like action thriller well, that's that's exactly what I was saying. Like, I don't I don't need the Ellen Ripley type from her anymore. I, I did listen to an interview where she said that, you know, the thing about The Good House, the thing that drew her to it was that she was playing a normal woman. And I really think that Good House is quite a, a step forward because older women used to have to play obnoxious mothers-in-law or villainesses you know, stuff like that. And she's a real person. And she and Kevin Klein's character, Frank, are in a real relationship. So it's just like, it could never have happened earlier. It just didn't. And so I'm so grateful that I got to play Hildy and speak out for her. Yes. And that's something that she's not really allowed. And that's something you did pick up on. So like, maybe, maybe I was just more turned off by the movie as a whole, but I don't think she's bad in it. But right. I, I, mean, I also have an issue sometimes with direct address where, I'm, you know, sometimes it's tough to pull off. I think she does it rather well in the film. But me too. Yeah, I think that's also why maybe I liked her in a monster calls like she is just like a grieving 
you know, grandmother who's like grieving mother and grandmother just trying to fucking like go through this awful thing, you know, with yeah. family. Um, the accent, I would say, is shaky, but <laughs> it's, yeah, it's questionable. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 maybe I got that's kind of like her being a normal. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think that wraps up Sigourney. I think she's incredibly talented. It it was such a, a strange treat to be a able to go through her film. strange treat. We yeah. watched some really hard to watch movies. We yeah. watched some crazy fucking movies. She, you know, if, if there's one thing you take away from this, know that she is willing to challenge you regardless if you enjoy it or not. Yeah, she is and committed to the bit. Absolutely. But speaking of committed to the bit, that's <laughs> us. <laughs> you can, if you want to write us, you can always find us on Twitter at at the mixed reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in the mixed reviews. If you want to email us, you can write us a little love note at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog, like you've listened to this entire episode, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, Audible. We are on every single thing. Did I say Audible multiple times? Sometimes I do that. Uh, and if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please stop by there. Leave us a five-star rating. Write us a little review. We actually do have another review, but I wanted to save it for next episode. And thank you so much for yeah. that review. And then also join our Patreon. Yes. There's all sorts of little fun goodies. You have more access to Louie and I, especially through the Discord. Uh, also, we uh, we did our first episode update, which uh, I, I feel bad I totally did without Louie, and uh, that's I'm a jerk, but whatever, it's great. And uh, But we will be doing more. We will be doing more. So. Yes, and please keep an eye out for updates about the Bowery Film Festival. Hopefully we will see some of you there. More updates to come on that. And with that being said, we will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. In the way, so-